a Superman action figure in a toy coffin, a blue shirt and red jacket, a first flight in the sun above the Arctic tundra. These are some of the moments that define my Superman fandom. Together on this podcast, we journey across time and media to examine, discover, and reconsider the creative visions that have shaped the Man of Steel. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the animated adaptation of DC's Injustice is real-life Lobo himself, Justin DeVoe. Wait, wait, wait. Nay, nay, good sir. Hold on. I have a question first before we get started. You said you didn't read um, the books, right? Blowing up my spot seconds into the episode, but that's true. You're right. You're right. It's important. Okay. (laughs) And I know you're a gamer or you gamed in the past, but you did not play the game, right? Correct. Okay. In that case, welcome to Refinding Zarnia with your fucking host, Justin DeVoe, because now I get to ask you about stuff because you don't have this. Look, I'm going to own this because it's the first time that I can get on this show and be like, I might know something that he doesn't know because you're like in fucking page 52 on panel four. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, how do they do this? But this time, this time. I get to like have that all that knowledge and I get to find out like it's almost like I get to ask you questions because when I watched it, I had to watch it through the scope of someone who read and played everything you have not. So to get the show started, sir, what did you think? Because I've been waiting to ask this question for like three weeks, dude, since it came out waiting. What did you think? All right. You know how in a prior episode you pointed out my tell how I will say that being said, that being said when a negative opinion is about to be expressed, oh, uh, you, you might God. hear that being said a decent bit tonight as we record. Yes. So yes. Okay, good. Right. So here, let me say this first. First of all, I, I agree with you about the different level of experience we have with the injustice property. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here. The other reason is just, I always have fun talking to you and I wanted to bring you back, but I have not played the video game. I'm not a gamer. The last time I played video games was PlayStation one era. So I'm not a gamer. I heard great things about injustice. I've watched the the gameplay and the story trailers, but I've not played the game. And I also haven't read the comics. I've heard great things about that Tom Taylor run, but it's, it's a lot. And it was one of those things where when, once I announced this podcast from the beginning, a couple people were like, oh, you got to do injustice. You got to do injustice. And I was like, okay, but I don't know how, because I'm not automatically going to become a gamer and it's a lot of comics to get through. So I was actually really grateful when they announced this animated movie, because I said, well, this will be a perfect way for me to be able to experience it. But I yeah, wanted to so have someone. I, yes. Until I fucking saw it. But right. go ahead. But, but that being said. <laughs> that being said. <laughs> No, but that's why I wanted to have you on because I was like, well, I know, you know, you've played the games and you've read the comics, so you have that whole other frame of reference and it'll it'll be great to bounce off of each other. On the micro level, there was stuff that I thought worked great and stuff that I thought really didn't work in the context of the movie and we can talk about that. But big picture, I just had a real fundamental disagreement with the movie and and but I think it'll give us a lot to talk about. So what did you think? (laughs) Oof. Like it was rough it was rough because i played the game when the game first dropped it was after they did a uh, dc versus mortal Kombat, and i was like oh shit this is really cool like it can be done and then when they announced injustice i was like this is because i knew there was a background story to it 
And I knew the people involved because it's the same Mortal Kombat dudes. I said, this is going to be awesome. When I found out what the concept was, we had talked about stuff like Irredeemable and the Plutonian and like the boys and like all the time we're like a Superman archetype kind of flies off the handle. And I was like, oh, but this is actually Superman this time. Um, that being said, <laughs> um, I always, I always try to find something and we've had this conversation before. I always trying to find something to be like wall to wall. It was dog shit, except for this one thing. I had to really search for something to find that I was like, that was okay. Like it was so hard, especially with, okay. First mm. of all, there's umpteen years of this book written or i think it goes up to like year six or seven I, I, it's been a while like i had to um limit my rereading to just year one because i figured that that would be the focus right and i figured maybe it's a multi-parter because when i saw it it was like an hour and eight minutes i'm like huh hour and eight minutes that's a lot of fucking story to tell in an hour and eight minutes and initially when i saw that timestamp, i said they're not gonna do this right they're not, not in that amount of time. And you got to figure you lose eight minutes with the lead in and the credits and all the rest of that stuff. And I was like, oh man, I did not like it. And I thought you would like, I was like, all right, either he's not going to like it or he's going to like it because he doesn't have the schema that I have or I'm viewing it through the lens of like, what the fuck did they do to this story? So I couldn't view it another way. I couldn't turn that off and turn this on and separate the two. So no, I did not. Like not even a, maybe it's a, like a boring afternoon. I'll watch it. I will never watch that again. I, I, I just won't dude. It did not do it for me at all. Fair enough. And let me say at the outset, before we really dive in, there will be spoilers here. So if you're listening to this, or you're yeah. watching this, if you, if you haven't watched the movie or read the comics or played the games and you want yes, to keep everything yes, for the movie fresh, and the comic. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, then you know, I, I guess come back to this episode in the future, but, uh, so that's your spoiler warning. And for anyone who either doesn't care about spoilers or just wants a quick refresher, right? Injustice is the story of, uh, you know, basically, like you said, this evil Superman trope where the Joker manipulates Superman into killing Lois and also detonates a nuclear weapon that obliterates Metropolis, including 11 Attached million Attached to people. her heart. Yes. So Which once her like, heart awesome. stops. Yep. Right. Right. And Superman, in response, kills the Joker and posi positions himself as this authoritarian world leader the various DCU heroes sort of split into different camps and, and we go from there. So it's the regime and the insurgency. Like that's at least in a comic, that's how it was pinned. And it was cool to see them separate, like who went with who mm -hmm. in the, in the viewing. I did that. That wasn't, it just wasn't as complex as it was in the, in the, in the story, especially the Robin Nightwing, whatever the fuck disaster that was not the killing all that stuff was in the book all of it was in the, book. the the first big chunk was lifted right out of the book i was like oh maybe they are gonna make it a multi-parter because it's still a lot to jam in but that it was it just it was rushed it was disastrously rushed you didn't get like the superman regime foot soldiers Instead, you got Mr. Terrific's like terrific balls, like doing all the work <laughs> again, yeah. because I looked at it in two different ways. I'm like, why, why 
is this happening? Like, and to bring in like a Rajal Ghoul Deus Ex Machina where he's like, I secretly want to take over the fucking world. I'm like, where did you come from? Like, why is this happening? So it wasn't even a um a super it, to me, it was less of a Superman taking a power position story of just like other people pulling the strings. And the only person that really did that in the book, which I eventually want to get into, is Diana. I love her role in the book, did not like her role in this at all. They are two completely different Dianas. So yeah, dude, I was like this. No, maybe like the Plastic Man stuff was like the saving grace for comedy but other than that i was like this is really rough to like i paused it a couple times i'm like can i do something else like paint a wall or something it, it was a tough watch yeah you know the thing that was kind of heartbreaking about it for me was that it, it had me for the first chunk of the movie and then it lost me and that's what made this especially was, disappointing there's so much yes. to unpack i agree with you about wonder woman you know in the context of the movie to this viewer she comes across as a bloodthirsty enabler at best and just an opportunist at worst. It's like, you know, this is her chance to get Superman. And yeah. that's really the way it plays. And it's unfortunate. And no, no, no. That is the point that I wanted to try and make. She is worse in the comic. You think she was bad there? She had a moment of redemption at the end where she's like, we can't do this. No, 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 no. She didn't do that in the book at all. If anything, I saw that as... um She's always like, I'm going to pose with kids and look at me and look at this girl I saved from a, she's always an Amazon from start to finish. Every time in every book, like uh, um, the Master Race 3, and all, like when she gets the opportunity to go unhinged in Flashpoint, she's like, fuck this, I'm taking over everything. Like this isn't worth my time. So I always saw her as, as unhinged, but controlled in the face of Clark who they always had this little love thing back and forth. It's like Lois and then her and then Lois and her and it always goes back and forth. In the book, she is a, 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 a dark whisper on his shoulder in every scene. And the way it's drawn, when he's around her, he's very solemn, very solemn. In this one, you don't really get that. And, and again, at one point, the thing that in the cartoon that I didn't like well, one of the many things in the cartoon I didn't like is she went in, she's like, whose side do you want? And Arthur's like, fuck this. I'm going back to Atlantis. You guys have no control over this. I'm out. And he pimps out. That's it. He leaves. In the comic, they go to battle first. And then they lift Atlantis out of the water and put it in a fucking desert. And he's like, how about now? Are you going to listen now? Because he put everyone and that again, Diana engineered all. So when Clark tells Diana, go talk to Arthur. She goes talk to him. She feeds him a whole bunch of shit and she comes back. When she gets back, they have their conversation and Clark goes, uh, did Arthur say anything? And Arthur did. He's like, how's he doing? He seems really bad. He's unhinged. Like, dude, tell him, tell him this. We're friends, blah, blah, blah. And the scene is him asking how she's doing. There's a zoom up on Diana's face. She goes, no, he didn't say nothing. She does that the entire book, dude. It's awesome. It's awesome because you can see the different switch when Clark is talking to people by himself and when she's there. So the part that you didn't like was the part I did like, but I didn't like it because it wasn't as drastic as it was in the book. Gotcha. Okay. No, no, no. That, that does make sense. You know, it, so you've hit on something now a couple of times that I, I think has been a common criticism of this animated adaptation. The fact that they had so much material to 
try and it was a vain attempt i suppose to boil it down to this hour and change the thing that's frustrating to me about that is dc animation or warner brothers animation has been down this road before and it really seemed like they had learned their lesson lesson you know the first mm-hmm. couple of direct to dvd animated adaptations that they did you know when they first started this over a decade ago was you know they did the death of superman in a an exceedingly truncated version it was just superman yeah. doomsday and it cut out the replacement superman and most of funeral for a friend and most fans were let down and then they did new frontier you know this this magnum opus of of darwin yeah. cook and they yeah. again just really really uh, cut it down now i'd actually didn't mind. i thought some of the choices that they made in that worked and darwin cook was i believe he wrote the screenplay for that so yeah. i think that yeah. helped but you know we now gotten to the point where when we do the dark knight returns it's a two-parter when they redid mm-hmm. the death of superman they did it as two movies so mm-hmm. it, it's an odd choice right. to me to try yeah, to so do you this. thought they made the turn and they would do this the right way and they just they didn't do this big swing in a minute like it wasn't even a foul tip like the bat never left the shoulder in this one and i was like you the first part of the movie i was like this is tracking exactly how it is like clark's like i want you to be the godfather and he's like oh shit like this is gonna be awesome and then there's a bunch of really sweet exchanges between like clark and lois that are even in the book over the course of the book to make you recognize or remember why the fuck he's like this in the first place and they lifted that shit out too and i was just like and I felt the same way. Do an injustice multi-parter. People were seething for this thing. They wanted this animated movie. Like the trailer was viewed a whole bunch of times. And the parts that they showed in the trailer were almost lifted from, from the book. Like it was a lot of like, like, you know, he goes to Arkham and fucks everybody up. Solomon Grundy's bought in a little bit differently. Um, but I was like, oh my God, like they're gonna do this right. And probably about one fourth of the way through, I just went. I have no idea what the fuck is going on anymore. I didn't to quote Bernie. Someone needed to be open hand slapped. Like that was just like, and the dude who wrote and the dude who wrote this is also the dude who's written a whole bunch of other of these like DC adapted to, to screen. I think he did like apocalypse and he did some other stuff or whatever, but it was the same dude. And it was just like, they just wanted to put it out, but they did not respect the source material at all. At all, outside of the first 15 minutes, which I was like, this is going to be good because he flies her up the same way, sees it's, um, he sees it's doomsday, the ticker thing. He lays waste to millions of people in Metropolis. I was like, awesome, now we have the thing. But then you lose it with all of these side plots that didn't even have to be in there. They didn't. They didn't. Like, Nightwing becomes fucking dead man? I'm like, what the fuck is going on to... To make up with Damien? Why? Why does that have to be in there? You don't need that. In this, you don't need that. So that was not from the comics? Maybe in one of the later... Because, again, I I reread year one, so that made sense. No, he's dead, and that's it. Bruce carries him out in the same way, blames Damien. They go at it. Which I think Nightwing shows back up again in the later years, because I know he's in the... Well, the comic is different, because the comic is starts from now. Like, they tell you the story in, in the in like the opening, but that starts like post year one where like the war is already going on. Okay. Because Deadwing, as he is called, is probably the dumbest thing that I've seen. I love everything about you. That, that <laughs> Dude, I said the same thing. I was like, I swear to God, if we don't see eye to eye on this, I'm going to have to have like an offline conversation and be like, are you okay? 
No, no, no. Like, um, do we need to talk about this? No, I'm, oh I'm with you. Deadwing was, Dead was about the dumbest thing I've ever seen, in at least in one of these movies. But the thing that was especially yeah. baffling to me was it, the movie, it just stopped the movie dead in its tracks. And I watched yeah. it twice. And both times, <laughs> it took me so out of it. And yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, I hope it's from the comics because it's like, otherwise, it's, I mean, it's a baffling choice to begin with but I would be the teeniest bit more okay with it if there was at least a basis for it. And for some reason they felt like we have to honor this, this part of the material. Yeah. But no, yeah, I did not remember. I know Nightwing is in the game. And from what I understand, maybe dead man was like a DLC, but again, I reread gear one, but I think I read the series when it came out. Like I, Hunter was probably still in diapers. So we're talking a couple of years ago. Um, and I didn't want to come in with that much info because then, you know, it becomes more about the comic and not more about the animated uh, series. But um, no, that was terrible. I was just like, why? Why is that in there? Like, there's just no reason for that to be in there at all. And there's a bunch of shit that was like that where I was just like, OK, well, what, but like, what are you trying to use filler? You don't need filler. You have like seven years worth of material to work off of. Yeah. So let me say this. And also, do you mind just taking down your headphone volume just like a teeny tiny bit? Because I'm hearing myself a very little bit yeah. on your end. Uh, just your headphones. Thank you. So here's the thing that I think is kind of fascinating about this. That you and I both basically had the the same reaction as far as what was missing. And, you know, on your end, it's like, you know what's in the source material. I didn't, but I still had the same problems with it. And so, for example... Uh, you know, when the heroes split, I'm actually still hearing myself on your end. <laughs> Sorry, just the earbuds. I guess if those can come down, just just a, a, a little bit. Thank you. Mess with that, uh, <laughs> uh, dude. I'm so used to Riverside. I'm like, I don't even know. Yes, the, find uh, well, for for any uh, any other podcasters <laughs> out there, it's uh, yeah, especially in this uh, remote era, there are all these different platforms that the various podcasters use. So um, we're on eCam right now. That's what I use. But uh, yeah, Riverside is another one I've I've played around with. Streamyard's another one. In any event, I'm actually I'm not hearing it now, so I think we're we should be good. Yeah, I just turned down the whole thing, so we should be okay. Perfect. Thank you. So, but th that's the thing. So when the heroes split, for example, and mm -hmm. Arthur is just like, I'm out and we never see him again. And Hal Jordan is like, so okay, the guardians are calling all the green lanterns back to Oa. We're out. The thing about that was, it's like, well, if those characters stay, these are the heavy hitters. Now mm -hmm. we have a real conflict. And so it, it just, even without knowing the source material, it felt like something's missing. I'll give another mm -hmm. example. Cause this one really as a Superman fan and as a Smallville fan, this one really bugged me. So, you know, when the government is trying to, you know, corral Superman, they go after Pa Kent and they, they abduct Good. him and they rough Speak him up. Keep your peace because I'm going to tell you how that's different. Right. Go ahead. Yeah, I get it. So they pick him up, they rough him up, they burn the farm. Uh, you know, you really, you, you know, it, it, you, you're angry, you know, on behalf of Clark uh, for them, you know, going yep. after Pa in that way. And, you know, Superman is able to track him down, but we don't actually see the rescue. And right. we don't get an actual conversation between Superman and Pa Kent until, again, spoiler you, alert, Pa is dying in Superman's arms in the fortress when Ollie yeah. fires an arrow at Superman and he deflects it and inadvertently directs it towards Jonathan. And right. as Jonathan's dying, he says, Clark, forgive them. And the thing that really is really pissed me off about this, 
I felt something in that moment because I'm a lifelong mm-hmm. Superman fan and I have this this history between these two characters, but the movie gave you none of it. And so that moment to me felt so cheap. And if we had had, you know, if we had seen him rescue Pa earlier, if we had seen, if we had gotten Pa's thoughts on any of this at any point in the movie, <laughs> I would you have do. bought into that moment more. It really yep. bothered me then. I just felt like it was missing. Yeah. Yeah, you do heavy in the book. And, okay, so just to give you an idea, they go in, and I love the way the government taught. There's a quote that I thought I had. That's why I was scrolling through it. The way that they bitch out Superman from a governmental standpoint, they're like, "Get you know what? Get in your cape, fly around, punch some aliens, but leave the government stuff to us. I thought that was cool because it was like, oh, man, like that really shows that like a la like um, – like Vought International from the boys, like they don't run shit. Like they got like one job. They pose for pictures and stuff. Like that part I really like. But Ma and Pa Kent were both in the farmhouse. They were sleeping and they bust in and Pa went out like a bitch in the cartoon. When they walked in, Pa, like he's built like he is in the cartoon. Just a big, like I throw hay forever. I'm like, like that kind of dude. He punches one of the government officials in the face, like breaks his helmet and his mask. Like, he's not fucking around. He was like, dude, you're in my fucking house. And then you you keep scanning back to them, and Ma and Pa and Jorel add their input. Oh. They all say, what are you doing? And he flies away, and he's like, I'm not listening to any of this shit. I got a job to do. And it was like, but you see, like, um, Oh, and Lex plays a part in the comic too. Right. He's the one who's building that little pill that makes them stronger. Gotcha. And like Clark hugs him because after Metropolis uh, gets destroyed, like he finds Lex and give him the hug. He's like, oh, my best friend. And like they're best friends apparently like in this universe, which I have another fucking whole ball of wax because they call it Earth 22, um, which is uh, the kingdom come Earth. And I was like, what the fuck? Like that was supposed to be like an Easter egg for people. Um um, but Ma Kent and Lex Luthor have a great exchange where um, Ma's like deep down inside. Clark's just a scared little boy. And uh, Lex Luthor's like, Superman's a scared little boy. And it's just a zoom up of her. And she goes, aren't we all? I was like, and that spoke to like what was going on in the world that's built in the comic that they fucking lifted. Ever. All that emotional stuff that you were just talking about, although they went right to the action. Right to the action. They built a fucking time travel machine, bought in another Superman, and then a pregnant Lois. I was like, what the fuck is it? Dude, it just felt like you put a whole bunch of ideas in a blender and fucked it all up and spilled it all over the floor. And we're like, we're going to pick this, that, that, that. So, like, all that emotion between Ma, Pa, and Jorel, none of it's there. None of it. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, that's really disappointing. I feel like. And, and I know, obviously, Superman's my favorite character. This is a Superman podcast. I know I'm biased. But at the same time, the, the story is Superman's arc. So I feel like the, mo- the movie, at least, especially if they were limited to that runtime, I think the movie yeah. suffered by not focusing it even more squarely on Superman. He is the focal yeah. point, but the Bat family gets a lot of play. And yes. yes, that yes, that relationship between Superman and Batman is important, but it went too far. And like all the Dick and Damien stuff, I would have I would have taken that right out. And you focus more on Superman and his characters. And then I think you, you solve at least to. some of these issues. Because then it makes sense. And again, it's like 
you don't need to focus on the book splits it. There's an insurgency section and a regime section. You get both of that back and forth. You get the the insurgency hiding and you share the idea because the book is more about like the split. Like, yes, it's a Superman story because he's the one that sets it all off, but it focuses more on the split between the two. This one was 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 sold as a Superman goes berserk. Right. And then they just kind of slam you in the face with like, well, yeah, but that's what we told you. But this is what's actually going on. And it's just like a bunch of unneeded crap that was thrown in that kind of ruins everything. And to be honest with you, the little stuff from the book I missed, like Harley Quinn plays a big part in the book through multiple years. And the one thing I liked, her comedic thing is she's got this fucking fake mustache. And every time she puts it up, everyone's like, why the fuck do you have a fake mustache? She's like, why should, or uh, um, the real question is, why are you asking why I have one? And it makes Ollie laugh. And the whole joke about the quiver is in there, which I thought was really cool. But again, that was in that first chunk. Like, it seems like they followed it for us, for people that have seen it, or people that were just interested in it for the first quarter of the film, and then just went, went completely AWOL, where it's just like all that stuff, all the powerful stuff is lifted out. And then they try to like rope you back in with a pregnant fucking Lois at the end. Like, come on, man. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Because that's not, that, that's not how you stay true to the fact that she's dead. He could look at her and be like, you're not my fucking Lois. And then the, the whole thing just folds out. Dude, it was such a loss of memory. I don't even remember how the, how the cartoon ended. I remember parts that I didn't like, but it was so forgettable that I'm like, wait, did she talk him down at the end? Did they kick him into that thing? Like, I completely forgot. I completely forgot. It felt to me, and I watched it twice, and I just rewatched it last night, very anticlimactic to me, where, yes, the pregnant Lois from another reality talks him down. He expresses remorse. He says, how did it get this far? He's like, I deserve to die. And Bruce is like, no, you don't get off that easy. We're going to create a red sun prison for you, and we'll let you All out right. when we need you. And he's like, that won't be necessary. Like, I'll stay wherever you put me. And he flies off. Yeah. And then uh, Bruce kisses Selena. And that's how, it, and it ends on that, which- So I, it's a Batman story. I think ultimately it's a Batman story. Now that Batman actually, story. so this speaks to, I think the, the larger, like more fundamental philosophical problem that I had with this whole thing. So first of all, and this is kind of taking even a step back, Generally speaking, historically, as a comic book fan, I've never been all that big on Elseworlds stories. I don't object to them. Really? Yeah. I mean, and I've read my fair share. Don't get me wrong. And there are no. ones that I've liked. And I, 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 I 100% get why people like them. And I don't object to them. And I don't begrudge their existence or anyone's enjoyment. It's just I, I don't tend to love them all that much. And then when we conflate that, not just with Elseworlds, but also this evil Superman trope, you know, you take something, and I know you're a big Red Sun fan, and you and I are going to do a Red Sun episode in the future. And you know what? When I read that years ago, I, I did like it. But the thing that I always kind of come back to, and I say this somewhat facetiously, but it's like, it's I don't know how much it really says about the character when you do a story like like Red Sun or The Dark Side, where, you know, Superman was raised by Dark Side. It's like, you'll never guess what happens if he was raised by Dark Side. It's like, oh, would he be evil? It's like, yeah. It's like, well, what else would happen? I mean... You know, we understand the character. We know how important his upbringing was. So it's like, yes, when he's raised by communists, he'll be the Russian Superman. When he's raised by dark side, he'll be a dark side minion. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, yes, I think to an extent it's fun to see the character repositioned in that different context. But I don't know how much it really says about the character. Now, in fairness, it doesn't really need to say anything. It could just be a fun alternate take. But I've yeah. never been that drawn to it. Now, 
some that being said, but this is a positive, you know, something like Injustice on paper or Kingdom Come, something like that I'm more on board with because that's not, oh, he was raised by someone else. That's, we're basically following our Superman to a point and then something's going to happen, specifically mm-hmm. Lois's murder, and then he's going to go down one of these paths. And that kind of gets interesting. As far as the evil Superman aspect, I don't mind so much when it's something, when it's truly an alt you know, it's a character based yeah. on Superman, like Homelander and the boys. It's like, nah, that works. Right. And definitely in the world of that show, like that's perfect. Yeah. But as far as Superman himself going evil, I, that's not something that I really, that really resonates with me all that much. Right. And where my heart broke with this story. And again, I, I guess this is, and you'll tell me, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think this is really even a deviation from the, the game or the, or the comics, but I wish that it had not been so clear that Superman was in the wrong because Joker is responsible for the death of Lois and Lois and Clark's unborn child and Metropolis. And millions of Metropolis people, like millions of people. Yeah. And so when Superman shoves his arm through Joker's chest, it didn't feel like, oh God, he's gone. Or for me, at least, it didn't feel like, oh, he's gone too far. It's like, nope, this is justified. And when we get into these larger questions, and we've talked about this on the podcast, it's like, what what would or what should Superman use? Like, how much should Superman insert himself into world affairs? And I think there really is an argument to be made that it's like, look, I have the power to turn the tide. I have the power to force a worldwide ceasefire, and I'm going to exercise that power. That to me is interesting, and there's a valid point of view there, and you can have more of a back and forth. And we had that for a certain point, you know, for a certain part of the movie. But then once we get to to the scene where he slaughters the teenage partiers who are who are worshiping the Joker. Just like the Joker, yeah. At that point, it's just like, okay, like clearly he's gone too far. And well, that to me made it less interesting. He just gets mad. Yeah. Well, like, that's a problem too. The, yeah, like you don't see a progression into madness like you do in the book. Like he's just like, you fucking guys can't do this. And then laser beams the entire place. Like what the fuck? Like in the equivalent in the book is there's this kid from, I think like Australia, like they fly to Australia and there's this kid named Galaxor. And um, he was like, I'll stop you. And they literally like break him. Like they beat him to death and they break him. Um, And you find out later that like that dude actually took like a picture with them at some point. And he just wanted to be a superhero. Like he wanted to be just like them. And he wanted to be the person that stops them. Um, because it's not, cause what he's doing isn't right. So you see the aspects of like what you're doing isn't right from the perspective of other people. And in this one, I still don't see an evil Superman in either one. I don't see it in the book and I didn't, or I tried not to see it in the animated version. I see a, you could end the point that I will make because comic books and people have made this forever was Superman could be like, the Joker's your fucking fault. Every time you'd lock him up, he gets the fuck back out again. And this is why this happened. Fine. I will give you that. But would he freak out and maybe kill all of the bad guys in Arkham? Sure. But then the part that you don't get is after he does a bunch of these things, like he's sitting in um, the watchtower and like he's kneeling down. And you hear like all like the word bubbles of the news and he is breaking slowly. In this one, it's like, boom, I'm done. Take over the world. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. And you don't get the descent 
into, no, now I need to do this. Now I need to do this. Now I need to do this. And this one, it's just like, it's just there. Like he goes from fine to like ballistic. And we know Superman, you know, Superman better than anybody I fucking know. He wouldn't go like that and check. There would be a lot of battle to be a lot of back and forth. It would be, we got to work something out, Bruce, me and you have to work this out, which you see in the book. In this one, he's just like, oh, you killed Lois. Fuck everybody. Like, he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. Like, he could. He could. He's like, no, stop doing that. Stop doing this. I'm going to catch all these missiles. I'm going to have people blow shit out of the sky. We're not doing any more. Shame on you. Shame on you. But would he take it to this extreme? That's where I think the Elseworlds kind of version thing comes into play. Because maybe he would try to control everything, but I want to see more of the mental breakdown by himself when dealing with this shit. And you didn't get that. You got him and Mr. Terrific playing chess, which in the book, it wasn't him. It was the Flash. Okay. And it was all like, so what are we going to do? Outlaw cars? Check, mate. So what are we going to do? Do this, do that. And like that back and forth is so much better in the story, dude. So much better. And I think that's why I didn't like it so much because you had such a cool level this multi-tiered level of like breakdown and we're not going to do this and he pretty much brings in a gestapo like there's no balls to follow people around at least in year one there wasn't it where it was like yeah i think they they found people but he brings in like a straight jet and in one of the scenes they're goose stepping like it is it is it is clear what superman is becoming but he doesn't become it like that he wouldn't at least I don't think like, do you think that he would just like snap and be like, nope, that's it. Fuck everybody. No, I mean, that's the thing. And, you know, it's funny when you compare this with something like Kingdom Come where, you know, he which I'll be covering early next year on the podcast. And I haven't gone back to that in decades. I'm really excited to revisit that one. But, you know, the idea that he would, you know, fully retain who he is and just sort of retreat to the farm like in Kingdom Come. It's like, I don't know. The, the idea yeah. that he would he would put that arm through Joker, like, I buy that. I, I buy honestly that. buy 100%. that. 100%. And that's, 100%. And that's where I think, you know, the movie was successful in, in tracking his journey to that point. But beyond that, we needed a lot more. And because, again, without oh. that, what we ended up with was, I think, a very rushed, at least, but just a very superficial evil Superman story. And again, I just yeah. think there were there was a there was a more interesting way to do it that could have gotten into these larger questions about how he should use his power. And to your point, that if we did get to that point of him slaughtering the kids, that it happened in a way where, okay, probably not going to still be root because again, when he when he kills Joker, it's like I'm there with him. I don't think I would ever be there with him in killing <laughs> killing those kids, but at least yeah. you would have more of an understanding of how he got to that point. Now let's yeah. let's put a pin in this for for just a second. We'll do a quick commercial break and then we'll continue. But you know what? Instead of me playing the commercial for your stuff, you, you just want to do it? Do you want to plug your you want to plug your of stuff? Course. Yeah, do it. Go for it. Of course, that'd be awesome. Um, so I uh write uh, macronutrient numbers and uh, weightlifting numbers for people. I got a couple certifications um, and people like to uh, overcharge for stuff like that. Meanwhile, um, it's really easy. Like you could just get someone's uh, total uh, daily expenditure and their BMR and you work them up something that personalizes works for them. And the best part about macro stuff is like, I give you your proteins, carbs, and your fats a day, and you can eat whatever you want. As long as you're eating within those numbers, my buddy, Rob, who's on Shadadigans lost like 25 pounds, like four and a half inches off his waist in like 12 weeks. And he's like, how is this working? Like, I don't understand how this, like, if I'm still at one point, he's like, I went out and had cake. I'm like, did you make room for the cake? He's like, yeah. He's like, 
I had enough room for this cake. So you can still eat what you want. Like if I gave you a thing where it's like, oh, um, you got to have salmon every night. You're going to fucking hate salmon in the first three days. Um, so it works for everybody. The only reason it doesn't work is if you don't follow the programming. It's like anything else. The only discipline is to follow those numbers. But otherwise, I mean, like I haven't had anybody fail. But normally some people stay for like 12 weeks and they're like, you know what? I think I'm getting to get this. I can do it on their own. So like um, if you fish for a man, he, he eats for a day. If you teach a man to fish and that shit like that. And it's like, that's what I do for people. And some people stay because their goal changes. Like, oh, it's bulking season. I got to bulk up and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's uh, it's at Iron Iron at Iron and Honor Fitness, uh, I teamed up with my coach, uh, Robbie Guns. So he does workouts for people. I do macros for people. We give you a tracker and everything. I annoy you every day if that's what you want. Um, and we make magic happen and shit like that. And like I said, if you're like, if you're a short-term goal person or long-term goal post, dude, look, look at me. I started 247 pounds with a 41-inch waist uh, after I got COVID. And now I'm um, 188 with a 30.5 inch waist and I eat two chocolate chip pancakes a night at nine o'clock. So please do not believe any of those tropes. Don't believe like anything that someone's trying to sell you. Just do it right. And I guarantee uh, stuff will happen. So endorsed by me. And I mean, if you want to see the results of all of Justin's labors, yeah. check out Real Life Lobo on Instagram as well. And not only can you see the fitness journey, but you can see his insane Lobo cosplay. So I hope you'll check that all out, along with the Shadadigans podcast. And, and th I mean, really, thank you for being one of our sponsors. I really do appreciate it. Uh, let's hear about a couple of our others, and then we will continue our, <laughs> our very passionate discussion <laughs> of, yeah. of injustice. We'll be right back. The Hive Comics and Games is an oasis of nerd fun and events in the heart of Odessa, Texas. Whether it's comic book superhero stories or role-playing in a dungeon, The Hive is where to be. Come tap your mana and face off against the top Magic the Gathering players in West Texas. Hive carries a majority of new comic titles each Wednesday and has all of your favorite titles in their back issue section. Follow them on Facebook at The Hive Comics and on Instagram at The Hive Comic Shop. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On To Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In The Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. All right, and we're back. Let me share something that I, I did enjoy about this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, as far as where the credit goes, maybe this comes more from the comics, but I really did appreciate how much love for the DCU and, and uh, you know, various, um, you know, the characters and dynamics and, and, you know, various aspects that kind of all came together. And a couple of the examples that I think of are, uh, you know, with the Joker's plan, the fact that he is splicing the the Scarecrow's fear toxin with kryptonite, yep. something like that shows like, OK, like this is someone thinking about the larger picture of the DCU yep. and kind of how these things fit together. And then similarly, when uh, they're assaulting the fortress uh, to try to get Superman's red sun cannon and the atom shrinks down <clears throat> and enters Superman's brain with a shard of kryptonite, you know, like like stuff like that, I thought was cool. Um, you know, was it enough to make me love this movie? Not necessarily, but there were aspects yeah. like that where I was like, oh, like that's cool to show how this kind of all ties together. 
so in the in the book they're not getting a red sun cannon they're getting the the pill i think because that's where it's hidden um and that's when um they get it like ali distracts everybody which in the in the book which okay let's stop for a second captain adam is arguably the most powerful character at least in like as monarch or afterwards like that dude can make whatever he wants like he could just make kryptonite like and he's nuclear so he is got bane superman all over the place in the fucking cartoon he shows up at the fortress with captain adam by the neck and he just drops him i was like wait a minute wait a minute like you can't play out the one dude because in the book he says like you know what this is for the government i got to do it because he still has ties because he was in the military in the book he's got superman by the balls he's like i'm gonna fly you up i'm gonna explode us both no problem no harm no foul sorry i gotta do this you went overboard we can't have this diana sneaks up behind him and chops him in the throat which essentially now he becomes a ticking time bomb he's like well now we're all fucked so he ends up flying up to get away from everybody and superman obviously survives right but like in the in the cartoon he just has him by the neck and he drops him i'm like really captain adam really like that dude wasn't prepared at all for a fucking fight with superman like it's just shit like that and then the the kryptonite sliver after they kill um uh after they all right he still has a kryptonite sliver in him they never took it out. So why isn't he depowered? Right? A little bit of kryptonite goes a long way, doesn't it? Or am I fucking that up? Well, I think like, cause when Raish puts the, the, the gas mask on Superman's face, I think the idea is that it would, like it vaporizes any foreign object in there. Like, oh, so we just had to put that one together. I think, yeah, I think that was, I think that was the intention okay. behind that, but yeah, the Captain but, Adam thing was it was kind of that's the thing you know with, with Captain Adam again like you said you you don't see what goes on between the two of them you just see the end of it you know yeah. Aquaman's taken off the board the Green Lanterns are taken off the board and so you know we're left with the main resistance being these primarily non-powered <laughs> characters largely the Bat right. family and and you know including Harley uh, at this point and and Green Arrow and, and you know that's the other thing too that. Um, kind of bugged me I, like i said and not to harp on this but i just like i said i wish that it had presented hey i wish it hadn't taken superman as, as far as it did and as quickly as it did such that we could have really had more of that philosophical divide i mean i think the you know the movie very clearly is presenting you a superman who's in the wrong and one of the ways they do that is, you know, who's on Superman's side? You know, Wonder Woman, who we've talked about. Cyborg, who, you know, as a machine, doesn't really do all that much. Hawkman. You know, whereas on the other side, you have this lovable ragtag bunch. You got Plastic Man and you got Harley Quinn. It's like, you clearly know the characters you're supposed to be rooting for. And I get, like I said, I wish it had been a little bit more, uh, a little bit more balanced. Yeah. And it, and it does in the, in the comic and like, it gets, it gets to the point where they pull in some people. Um, one of them, Oh my God, fucking course. So Lobo did not show up in the cartoon. Thank God. Because as always, yeah. <laughs> he was played right the fuck out in the comic played right out for numerous reasons. And yes, it's an alternate world. Maybe his rules are different, but they call him in to, um, take out, Superman. He's like, look, I was paid to do this and I'm a man of my word or whatever. Superman grabs him by the jacket and starts flying towards the sun. 
and he's like, let's see if you can uh, come back from this or whatever. And he puts him back down on the ground and Lobo's like, well, you're not worth the fucking fight. I was like, guy, you're going to take away the one thing that he does. Like he didn't try, like, again, greatest bounty hunter galaxy didn't prepare, didn't prepare, just said, all right. And then he's like, I'll take a job. Do you have a job for me? I'm like, what the fuck? And then he gets captured by Harley Quinn. And in three pages, she like gets into his brain and he starts fucking, they, and they drop him off in apocalypse and he tries to kill dark side. It's the last time you ever save him. Mm. I was like, what, what the fuck? Like, why is that? And that was a part problem I had with the comic, not just because obviously you're playing out Lobo, but it's like, what does that have to be in there for? Like you bring him in for what? Like just as a side, like what you need to fill panel space. Um, but, um, and again, like it, it's funny. I'll bring you back to when you said that fucking Superman was knocking out pilots in like the 1950s version where he's like hauling off and he's like punching people in the face. Yeah. And the he George Reeves show. Ollie, like, yeah, he backslaps Ollie in the in the Fortress of Solitude. If Superman flicked you, you'd be pink mist. And the beating he lays on, like, like it was a very Bernie open hand back fucking slap, right? And he sends him to the ground or whatever, but like, like, it, like dude, that would liquefy you. And that was before anyone took it, because in the comic, what was missing from this is Alfred ends up taking it, and that's how year one ends. Huh. And the scene with Superman and Alfred also made me mad because you could have shut it down right there. But let's stick with this. And then when we get to them being back at the Batcave, I'll go back into that. All right. And, you know, you've mentioned Bernie a few times. Bernie, of course, Bernie Gersmeyer, one of our, our prior guests. For anyone who's funny. who's sampling the podcast with this episode, they're like, he keeps talking about this Bernie slap. What are we talking about? <laughs> But Bernie's a savage. He said that what the Damien should have been open hand slap. I <laughs> yeah. was like, dude, that's G shit, dude. Like we used to do that shit when we didn't want to fight because you just put someone in their place. <laughs> I was like, I respect Bernie more for that. The you know the bad stuff and the dead wing of it all in, so in particular. Heavy, yeah, <laughs> it, it really the dead wing thing. Well, so I mean, a couple of things. <laughs> I felt that you know there were so many, there were so many deaths, and in particular superhero deaths in the movie. You know, initially, you know, when we see the Flash get taken out in the opening minutes, uh, yeah. when he tracks down, um, you know, the Scarecrow who's been killed by the, the the Joker gas. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, wow. Like, okay, like this is the world we're playing in. But, yeah. you know, there's so many of those. And the characters are, with the exception of Nightwing, I suppose, are really never mourned. So, you don't, I don't know that you really feel them all that much. They, you know, it, it, the movie racks up a very high body count very quickly, but I don't know that it really has all that much impact. The thing that bothered yeah. me was we had, by my count, at least three accidental deaths. You know, yeah. we have obviously Superman killing Lois. He thinks it's doomsday and he, you know, flies her up into the stratosphere and, and her heart stops. Which you need or the thing doesn't go Right, off. of course. Um, and so that was fine. Um, but then we have, you know, Damien throwing the, you know, the, the baton at Nightwing's head. Baton. And he's like, he's supposed to duck because that was played earlier. Right. Where he does that. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so um, that kills now. Okay. And then in the fortress, we, again, like we talked about before, we have, uh, you know, Superman deflecting Green Arrow's arrow and, and killing John. And it just felt like, all right, like this is an awful lot. And maybe that just speaks to, you know, trying to show the effect of, of this violence and this path that the characters are right. on like these are the consequences but again i just felt like moments that maybe should have been more powerful lost something because it was just yeah. like okay yet another accidental death here yeah but the, and in the yeah. book uh in the book pa kent doesn't die he catches it in the shoulder uh. and that's why him 
him, Martha, and Jorel can still talk about the situation. Like he didn't even die in year one. He just catches it in the shoulder. He's like, Clark, I'm fine. Like you got to stop. He's like, fuck this. And he flies away, like all pissed off and shit. And like, again, like you have your, your earth father, you have your earth mother, which I don't know why they, why would they pull her out of the cartoon? She's got great lines. Like, why do you like, why that they bust in Jonathan sleeping by himself. So we're left to, I guess, assume that Martha's dead at this point. Uh, yeah. I think we have to draw that conclusion. Yeah. That was interesting. But, like, why, but again, why? I don't know. Why? You know, that really, I was thinking about that both times I watched. I mean, I can't think of other instances where Jonathan lives and Martha dies, you know, in these stories. It's, you know, it's, it's always either they're both alive or they're both dead. Or if anything, you know, obviously Pa dies, but, but Ma carries yeah. on. So that was an interesting choice. But I, I keep going back to Deadwing because, you know, it bothered me the first time. It just felt like this is really goofy and this really feels very out of place. You know, we see him in the afterlife. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he gets rechristened as Deadwing and he's sent back. And so it just felt really out of place. But the thing that bothered me upon rewatch was like, it didn't accomplish anything. He did two things no. as Deadwing. One was he briefly possessed Victor Cyborg uh, when Plastic Man was breaking Mr. Terrific out of the, this new prison that Superman has right. created. And that allowed them to escape. But they could have found another way to do that. Like that didn't really feel all that necessary. And then- In the book they did, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then his other big moment is uh, possessing Damien in fighting Raish or Raz al Ghul. I always yeah. go Raz, but I know in the movie they, they went with Raish. But in terms of the pronunciation, the thing that bothered me is like, well, why not just possess Raz unless he's just so powerful that he can't be possessed? Um, but I felt like in that moment, you know, when he's possessing Damien, we hear their their conversation in Damien's mind and they, they're able to achieve some closure and some peace, right, and forgiveness. But I felt like that could have been achieved with Damien imagining that or remembering yeah. a conversation with Dick and drawing inspiration from it. The the idea that Dick has literally become, again, the, the equivalent of the DC dead man character. Yeah. It's just, and again, if this were a series, if they did an Injustice animated series or they did a multi-part movie or oh, this movie so were good, two and a half dude. hours, it's yep. like, okay, you know, knock yourself out with all that stuff. But yep. with the limited real estate that they had, that just, it really bugged me. And, you know, and this is the last thing I'll say about Deadwing because I, I don't, <laughs> but. <laughs> no, please don't because that was a huge, a huge problem. But the other thing that really got me was the scene before Deadwing is uh, what I thought really was a powerful moment of Bruce breaking down in the Batcave. You know, Selena goes yeah. to him and she's like, just don't be the mask for tonight. Like, let yourself fall apart. Yeah. I'm here for you. And it was a very powerful, and you felt his grief and you hear him yep. sobbing. Right and it's like, and it's yep. like, wow, right. And then to go from that, it, I just felt like it just like let all the air out of that balloon yeah. to then go to the dead wing stuff. Uh, I, yeah. I just was very, very out of place to me. Yeah. Well, Clark goes to talk to Selena in a sewer, which she finds because it's lead line. She's like, he'll never find me down here. And turns out he always fucking knew. So he goes down there and he starts, he's like, listen, like you don't understand why we're doing, like I have to do this. But he also asks about Bruce and Bruce's well-being. And the underlying thing that plays this whole time is she's like, you want to go after someone, go after like the government who's like doing all of this stuff. Like you don't have to go after regular people. Like you keep going after regular people. Like, why don't you go after the people pulling the strings? So there's a lot of like mm -hmm. governmental conspiracy that they lifted right out of this, assuming that I guess they thought they didn't need it, 
But then by doing that, you also lift the one-on-ones that Clark has with people when Wonder Woman's not around. Yes. And those play so hard when you realize that, like, oh, he's putting on airs for her. He's got nothing to like, yeah, I'm sure it's got something to do with him. But every time he's with her, even in the panels, his face is different. And then the one thing in the in the in the uh book that's not in the animated version remember when he gets up and he's doing his initial speech about how like he needs to depower everybody mm-hmm. um in the comic it shows he's reading off a teleprompter they didn't show that in this and i was like it's, it's, clark wouldn't read off a teleprompter he would speak from the heart in a situation like that but in one panel they show his whole speech on a teleprompter i was like oh yes and that plays up the government control thing right where it was like yeah he might say depower everything but he's just becoming a larger government at this point right um yeah but reading off the teleprompter was a really big like and again for someone like me and you who's like the why always has to be there like it's just not there it's just not there he's just pissed yeah well real quick i i actually i did like the scene where he goes to catwoman in the movie because it showed the humanity is is still there he still cares i like that but going back to this the address to the united nations (laughs) it brought me right back to superman 4 the quest for peace okay it's just amazing to me because I genuinely think, and like I said, we've talked about this. We did a whole episode on, you know, what the the morality and the ethical duty of Superman would be if, if he existed. Right. And I feel like it is it is a very interesting question. It's like, you know, should he use his powers in a more proactive way than he does? You know, Superman right. is very reactive and he's not inserting himself mm-hmm. in global affairs. But it's like, should he? He has the power. Should he take it upon mm-hmm. himself? And, you know, again, I at the end of the day, I think it would be a betrayal of the core of the character if he did, but it's an interesting question. Yeah. It's so and, it all, yeah. and it's also brought up in both mediums. Like when, when like the mirror master task force comes in, he's like, play your little games, fight your aliens and shit like that. But you got to leave this stuff to the professionals. So all that's played in where it's like, yeah, maybe he should do something, but he's not because other people are pulling all the strings. So like, would he do it? I don't know if, if, if Joker killed Lois, oh yeah, dude, he'd punch him right through the fucking chest like he did. Would it would it then lead to killing a whole bunch of kids in in a in a in a factory? No. I think that he would float outside the factory and have like like a either a singular discussion or like Catwoman being on a thing. Like he would talk to her about it. But I don't think he would nuke all those people. I think that was just ridiculous. No, I, I agree. To uh, force you to be like, he's angry. Right. Like, bitch, we get why he's angry. Like, we get that part. But now you're like ham feeding us on like a silver platter, like more plot devices of why he's angry. Like, you can't fucking do that, dude. Like, you just can't. Like, let us kind of pull it together. And like you said, it should have been a miniseries. There's no way it should have been standalone. Red Sun, when done as a cartoon, played beautifully. Yeah. Played beautifully. It was a single, like, standalone graphic novel. You told it off from start to finish, except for the time, the weird time thing that they threw at the end, which obviously we'll get to. Gotcha. Um, but uh, I thought that played beautifully as a cartoon. I was like, they did that right. This, they did not. They just didn't do it right. Yeah. I don't know why they even did like i'm telling you man looking back at it i was like i don't even know why they did it i don't it's funny on the blu-ray they have a it's like a 15 or 20 minute special feature with the film's writer director and two producers (laughs) sitting around and congratulating themselves on what a great job they did (laughs) at a certain point i turned it off because i was like because i had already watched it once and i was about to watch it again and i was like "Eh, i don't i don't agree with a lot of this the thing is that i feel like 
you know, we uh, watching Superman through this, even in the beginning part where, you know, I, I think a lot of us would be on his side that Joker needs to die for this. You know, you still, you reckon- Oh, I always thought Batman was wrong about that. Right. And I know he's got the, I don't kill thing. Fine. But he's responsible for thousands, millions, whatever it is of deaths. Every time he breaks out of fucking Arkham, like, yes, I can see. And that scene plays in both where he's like, you let this madman out every time. And he keeps doing this. Why didn't you do something more? Like, why didn't you do something more? And then Batman's always come back as like, we're not judged during executioner. Like, you know, the system needs to take care of that or whatever. And again, it plays into the whole governmental thing. Um, so like I said, um, and they've also had uh, Superman like flying to Gotham during like the earthquake. And he's like, I'll yeah. fix all this shit right now. And turns out people are like, fuck you, get out of here. And he flies back. He's like, there's nothing I can do about these people. Because well, I don't think he would do that. Well, that's the thing, because I think there are stories. And, you know, one of the ones I talked about previously was Superman Peace on Earth by Paul Dini and Alex Ross. And that's a beautiful story where Superman tries to take on world hunger. And you see throughout yeah. the story that you know, as well-intentioned as he is, and as much as that seems like something people would be on board with no matter what, he encountered resistance. He encountered these yeah. warlords and dictators and various issues mm -hmm. that made him see that maybe the the true purpose he can serve is as uh, the the farmer's son who's like teaching people how to how to grow their crops. Yeah. It's like, it's very, and and also spreading the word as a reporter through his, uh, through his editorial. Yeah. So, you know, there, I think there are really interesting ways to, to tell it. The two things that I want to just jump back to, one is, uh, you know, again, in the beginning, even though we're still kind of with Superman, you clearly recognize this is a person who's been traumatized, who hasn't dealt with their grief. So I feel like there was still enough to mine without taking him so far mm -hmm. into the evil Superman trope. Yes. And then the other thing, what I was going to say about the United Nations, in both Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, when he's like, I'm rounding up the world's nuclear weapons, and here That's when he's like, there's going to be a global ceasefire. And yeah. in both instances, all these UN reps erupt in, in applause. And yes. it's like, that it would not happen I, unless they were that scared, which is not how these scenes play. Yeah. Um, so it's just very odd. to. It just feels like such an unrealistic response. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, so so there's that aspect to it. But going back to Batman, I know you're a Kevin Smith guy. Did you read Batman Cacophony? Yeah. Okay. So I talked about this on a Patreon episode uh, months ago. So not, not a ton of people heard this, but um, I recently read that three issue miniseries featuring Onomatopoeia, the villain that he had created for his Green Arrow Bang. run. Yeah. Right. Very cool villain. Uh, I was not the biggest fan of, of Cacophony, but there's there's a, a scene in particular, spoilers, but the book's been out for many years, where Onomatopoeia, in order to escape, um, he, he, Batman and Joker on a rooftop and he needs to get away and he shoots the Joker predicting accurately as it turns out that batman rather than catch this serial killer who has eluded him that batman would stay and make sure that the joker didn't die yeah and reading that i was it bothered me so much it's like what the hell kind of choice is this mm -hmm. and what is that saying i mean it's one thing if he won't he won't coldly execute him. It's one thing right. if he won't kill him in the heat of battle. But the idea- But like to not, just to let him die? They figured that'd be an easy fucking decision. That's the thing, it drives me. That's why I loved it at the end of, and I know this was controversial at the time, but I always loved at the end of Batman Begins when he's on the train with Roz and he's like, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. And he floats yeah. away. I was yeah. like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and although I had the splash panel hanging up, that was always my issue with the end of Killing Joke. Always. With the whole laughing, are they laughing? Is he choking him? The reflection off the water. But clearly, neither one of them are there at the end when the cops come. Like, why? And I think in one of the Kevin Smith, it might not have been Cacophony, but in one of them, 
um, Joker's in the hospital, drawn by Walt Flanagan. He's like, he's, and he's like, you can't, like, we, and again, they've said this over the years. He's like, you can't, like, you need me. Like, I am to you. And they play it in the Lego movie, where the Lego Joker's like, what do you mean you don't love me, right? And there's a whole thing. And I know Kevin Smith plays up um, a lot of homoeroticism when, like, Joker's up against the tree and he turns around. He's like, do what you always wanted to do to me and blah, 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 blah. Um, I think that plays as someone who reads Batman, though. Like, maybe there's a part of Bruce that's like, you're right, I do. Like, he might not ever admit it, but he's like, I'd rather just keep catching you. And instead of putting an end to this, it's almost like a, a weird Stockholm syndrome, right? Where he's like, now he's like, I do need you. Well, like, cause without you, which is bullshit. Like without you, I don't have anything. He's got court of the owls. He's got everybody else. He could have went anywhere. But, um, I think that's where we have to suspend our disbelief into the point where, yeah, he could have just let him die. We're like, well, well, someone else did my fucking job for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to, to always go back into it and save him as Clark, I'd be pissed too. Like if I put myself in the red tights and the red underwear and shit like that, like of Batman, I'd be like, yo, that shit is your fault. Like that's fucked up. Like, and he didn't even do it to your city. He did it to mine. So, and that's your fault. Yeah. That whole first part, I can see that shit. And then in the comic, he breaks Batman's back a la the same way he did for Bane. And I, Batman's kind of laying there. I did see that yeah. and scrolling through it, even though I didn't read all the comics, but, or any, all of the, I didn't read any of the comics. It yeah. was scrolling through and it. And that's I did where, see that, yeah. And that's where you miss the best part of year one because Clark's face after he breaks Bruce's back is like, fuck. Like I really did go too far. And Alfred, the goddamn goat comes down and he's like, uh, master Clark. And he stands up and he's like, he's about to be apologetic. And Alfred headbutts him in the fucking face <laughs> and blood flies all over the place. And then Alfred's like, He's like, leave my family alone. And he's laying way like he's flattening Superman's face because Alfred took the pill or word led to like, you know, he, you don't see it happening, but that's who, because then he picks up Batman, like Batman weighs nothing hmm. and pimps off. And I think that's how the way year one ends. But my problem with that, why stop? Why stop punching him? He's just going to get the fuck back up and keep doing it. Why not? You just kill him. But then you, but then you deal with Diana and she's worse. I'm telling you in the book, dude, just read year one and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. At, as a matter of fact, Aries shows up in year one and they kick the shit out of him too. And as they're walking away, Aries is like, this is the union I was always afraid of because she she's looking for a reason to become unhinged and him being unhinged is exactly why she's been around for all these years. And I do like the way that that played out because she you can make the argument that the only reason that she's been kind and I'm going to pose for pictures and shit like that is because she has this affinity for, for Clark, whether it's one day we're going to take over the world, or I just respect the fact that he's, he's strong. I'm strong. I'm the top dog. He's the top dog. We're always going to have this kind of thing going on. Um, but that plays so much better in the book, dude. Cause then when they bring earth nine or earth, well, so they say earth nine, which if memory served me correctly, was Harvey Dent, right? And he was called the Superman of like Earth and he didn't look anything like him. Uh -huh. And then he's like, no, I'm Earth One, you guys. And he's like, well, what Earth Three? And he's like, 22. Um, I don't get, dude, I'm just so confused by like everything that took place. Yeah, the, you know, the bringing in of the alternate versions, you know, my understanding from the game at least, right, is that that's where a lot of the 
the battles and the fighting come from, right? Like they bring yes. in counterparts from other realities, yep. but yep, from different realities. And it's like, if, uh, I, and I think in the context of the game, that makes sense. Here, him fighting like quote unquote our Superman, the good Superman. I don't feel that really added anything other than just more action and another battle. But it didn't. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that was a misstep. And then. I don't know. I'm kind of torn on the Lois of it all, right? So he meets a pregnant Lois from another reality whose Clark died fighting Brainiac. So he's a Superman without a Lois. She's a Lois without a Superman. And she's just, she's pregnant and just about to pop. So this is what his Lois would have been like if if she hadn't died. And I, I feel like to an extent it works this idea that like, okay, this is enough to snap him out of it. But at the same time, it still feels like it happens way too fast. Like I don't feel like it. It that, there's enough yeah, there. Yeah. Yep. If they if they went off the source material and that ended the series of flicks, sure. But like I said, an hour and eight minute runtime for years of a story establishment. And again, I wanted to ask you because maybe I was like, you know, maybe he viewed it differently because he didn't know source material, but you have the same issue that I had with it. And I read it. It still felt rushed. It felt rushed. A bunch of parts felt unnecessary. Actually, weirdly enough, the parts that felt unnecessary were some of the parts that were pulled from the book. Cause at that point you're like, they're telling a completely fucking different story. Like when he throws the, the baton on Nightwing, that doesn't kill him. That knocks him over and he falls on a rock a la million dollar baby. And that's oh, how okay. he dies. Gotcha. Um, but uh, it, it seemed like the parts from the book got in the way because you weren't telling that story anymore. Right. You just weren't telling that fucking story. And they kill Black Adam and shit like that. Like they go crazy in the in the book. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just felt like and the dead wing thing was just like, I'm out. I'm out. Like as soon as that happened, I'm like, I'm out. Because that was just like the icing on the cake, which came 25 minutes into the movie where I was just like, oh, no, no. No, no, like we're not going to do this, dude. And it was painful to watch the rest. It was just painful. And then when they bought, which I do think a a un a, an unhinged Superman would beat a normal like fucking truth justice and a fucking better tomorrow Superman, like he would, because he's got nothing to lose. He's like, well, fuck you. I'm just going to fucking trash you, which is essentially what happened. Um, but again, like when you don't stretch out something this good. And you add in elements that are just ridiculous. You get what they got. And I knew we were in trouble when I downloaded it and I saw the rating and the rating was two and a half stars. So Mm -hmm. a bunch of people already watched it and they were like, what the fuck did I just watch? And because I imagine a bunch of them were watching it through the lens of knowing the book and knowing the source material, but you watched it and you didn't have that knowledge. You still didn't like it. And I, you know, and again, and not to dump on it, but I, I do feel like the fact that we, uh, you know, both landed on the same issues, I think speaks to some fundamental problems there. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I, I will say that I, the, the idea of this uh, underwater prison was interesting to me. And I do feel like, again, I, you know, you can only take it so far in the comics and other stories because it's like you have to have stories, right? So, yes, of course, the villains yeah. have to escape from Arkham so they can terrorize Gotham. But that part was kind of it's like, yeah, well, that would make sense. Like, why don't you put them someplace where they really yeah. can't escape? And if they do, there's nowhere for them to go. So I thought that was clever. But you know what really drove me nuts? When we find out it's this underwater prison. And I think it's Bruce or one of those characters who's like, there's only one person like who can help us get Mr. Terrific out. I'm like, oh, like Aquaman's going to come back, right? 
And it's like, you know, it's like if ever there were a place to to uh, work Aquaman in, though I will say, and I know you alluded to this earlier, I did enjoy their take on Plastic Man. I thought he was kind of uh, an unsung hero so right. of this. I, that I liked, so right. yeah. So, so did I. And um, the underwater prison thing was, was cool, but what you didn't see was when um, – they're they're in Arkham and they're like let them all out because we're gonna put them in a different prison. The the villains like at one point Calendar Man's like no one remembers me. Like it's like the villains are so used to this song and dance, this back and forth that they're not even doing it for recognition of like how how a serial killer would. They want to be remembered by the heroes. Like they're so fucking dejected by this. And what the fuck? Can I just throw this out there? So not only do villains who have killed multiple people have a bar called the world's end, but the heroes know where it is and just let them rock the fuck out the whole time. Like at one point, Diana's like, I know where mirror master is. And they go there like cheetahs there and the Riddler's there. And like, everyone's there. Like, you can't just bust that fucking place up. Like, you don't like, why? Like, why didn't you do that? Like, why don't you go in and be like, yo, I know you guys all just broke out of Arkham together. We're all going back. But like, I don't know, just shit like that. It was like, and then I had a problem with both of them. I'm like, why does that fucking place exist? I, I know. It's like, if ever there were a place for Superman to cut loose with the heat vision, it's like, it's there. It's there. Not, not the kids partying. Oh my God. That's a great point. Holy shit. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You got a problem with the people that helped the Joker do this, or we're assuming that they helped the Joker do, or knew about it at least. Instead, you fry a whole bunch of misguided jerk-offs, which we see all the time, but instead, you don't go to the world's end and lay waste to every fucking bad guy in there? You were there! You walked through the fucking front door, you saw them all there when you snatched up the Mirror Master. So it's like, why not there? Like, I, again, the the beats just didn't make sense. It just didn't make sense. It, it should have said directed by Joss Whedon at the end. Like at that point, like that's what I expected to see. <laughs> you know, again, as far as other positives, I overall I liked the opening scene with Lois and Clark. It was, you know, it's so it, it's tough. I mean, it's manipulative. Like they give him this, and again, it happens in such a short amount of time. It's like, you know, it would have been devastating enough to lose Lois, but it's like they give you the kid, uh, you know, the unborn child on top of it. So they yeah. really they're really twisting it there. But you know, clearly you know, they had such little room to work with, but I felt like in just those couple of minutes, that one scene, you know, really showed their dynamic and, and just who Clark is. And so I appreciated that. I will also say that, uh, Jimmy Olsen's death was just from a, like a, a staging standpoint, like was real. that was pretty, that was pretty, uh, that was pretty effective when we see the 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 bullet come through the camera. Yeah. But the one thing that was pulled out which I hated that they did was um, there's a flashback scene in the, in the book where Superman um, fixes a kid's bike uh, rim and he tries to do a brute force and he ends up fucking it up even worse. Um, and then the kid goes, he's like, no mom, Superman help me. He flew me home and shit like that. And the mom's like, yeah, whatever. She's like this disheveled waitress or whatever. And then Superman shows back up for dinner and he apologizes about the bike almost to say like you can't solve everything with brute force and even that in the book it says like oh i see what they're doing 
right? Like that's your foreshadowing to like your, your idea is not going to work. You can't strong arm people into doing stuff because then you get a room full of people dressed in Joker masks because you told them not to do it. And I know that you want to like, look, I understand we don't want to, as we know in the current climate, we told people what to do because it was best for them <laughs> and they made every reason not to fucking do it. So the bike thing and the kid ends up keeping the bike like it flashes forward like 10 20 years or whatever and he still has the bent bike where it's just like and superman's like fuck he's like i guess you can't do everything like this anyway what's for dinner and that to me was a clark moment yeah. and then the exchanges with lois and clark are great because she was like uh i toppled the dictate i forgot what it actually was and she's like so what was your problem he's like kid on a bike and like, that's the kind of banter that you want to see. Like, that's the kind of, cause you want to build that togetherness. Yes. Everyone that's watched the cartoon knows Lois and Clark are destined to be together. Right. But show more of that, show more of that because then maybe we would feel slightly more sympathetic for an unhinged Clark for people. It's just that they never read a comic book before. And this was their intro. They'd be like, no, no, no. I'm not doing it. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to read the book because now they're going to think that the book plays closer to uh, the flick did. And it just, it just didn't do. There was so much like heartfelt uh, togetherness with Clark and Lois that was lifted that you needed in this in order to make it make sense outside of that first scene where she's like, I'm pregnant. And he's like racing around and he's like, we need this. We need that. She's like, slow the fuck down. Go, go do what you got to do. The problem will still be here when you get back. And it was just a beautiful fucking moment. But like we both said, first quarter of the movie was really good or at least had promise. And then when I realized I paused it at one point and I was like, we're 32 minutes in. There's less than like 30 minutes left. How are they going to fucking do this? And that was the first issue when I was like, oh, man, this isn't going to go well because they're going to try and jam 10 pounds of shit in a five pound sack. Yeah. I mean that, you know, that Lois and Clark scene, I mean, it's great, but it, that has to carry a lot of the weight. And again, going back yep. to what I said about Jonathan Kent, it's, I do, it's unfair when these stories, you know, play on the fact that we know these characters and we know what they mean to each other, because again, they really need to be able to give you that in the story they're telling. I mean, yeah. you know, we keep coming around to the same idea. I think that for this to remain as as expansive a story as as they want it to be and as it is in the game and the comics if they want it to really be a dcu or justice league story then it needs multiple parts or it needs to be a series if you're going yeah. to do it as a movie then i think it really 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 needs to be at its heart a superman story and a yeah. lot of this other stuff can can come away and we can follow clark on his journey more and you know again i keep coming back to that you know the, the scene of him killing the kids and and again it's like in my ideal world we wouldn't have even had that i feel like it would have been interesting enough just to have him again killing the joker positioning himself in this in the global affairs the way that he did right. that's enough of to to spark a debate but fair enough this is the story they want to tell but we need to get him there in a in in a more nuanced more yeah. effective way because otherwise then we're just playing into this evil superman trope and i guess the the problem yeah, I have with that like is force it, fucked you into it yeah yep yeah. that's exactly what it was and it's just that yeah you know, look i've been saying on this podcast for over a year now i just reject this notion that superman you know in his traditional form you know isn't interesting or isn't relatable and i feel like when we revert resort to the evil superman it just like further perpetuates that notion it's like well how do we make him interesting have him go yeah. crazy and and well, i just it doesn't work for me well, it, it's funny because V. Ken brought that up on the 
on the Smallville one where he's like, I can't believe you watch that fucking show. No one's flying, punching each other. Like, how is that relatable? And he's like, well, the parts that they add in with relationships and all that stuff, that's how you make it relatable. Like, of course, Superman's relatable. Anyone that says that he's not relatable hasn't dealt with trauma. Anyone that says that Superman's not relatable hasn't dealt with loss. Anyone that has never been in a position where they had the power to do something and didn't for a number of reasons. The only people who don't think that Superman's relatable are literally the douchebags that just want to say Superman sucks. Because other than that, the stuff that he goes through, knowing, like we said, he could solve the problem with a snap of a finger. We all know that. And most of the league would pro probably follow him except for Batman. So I do agree that that's the case. Because like Shazam could have teamed up a Black Adam at least for a set. Dude, it's magic. And I know you got a problem with Superman's mm -hmm. version of magic. I love that fucking episode. But like... And besides, Shazam has laid numerous smackdowns on Superman in many fucking comics. Because, like, you're dealing with outworldly magic shit. And Superman, I got the fucking... And that's why there's a Justice League dark. He's like, no, you guys take care of this. Like, John Constantine, Zatanna, you guys deal with this. He's like, this is out of my fucking league. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's easy to control like Billy Batson because, you know, I'm Superman, you're Shazam or whatever. You kind of still talk him into it because he still has the brain of a, of a kid. Um, and you actually do see that in the in the comic. They they split because Billy's doing these interviews like one of the comics starts off with him doing interviews about like, oh, do you think Superman's right? And it's Billy, not in Shazam form. And like and some people are like, yes, we absolutely need this. Other people's like he's just as bad as every other dictator or whatever. And then he's like the most important interview I have to do is now. And he says Shazam. And there's like a cut between like Billy asking Shazam questions and Shazam answering them. And again, you don't you don't get any of that. Like you don't get any of anyone else's point of view except for I'm on team A, you're on team B, break. Like, that's it. Like, that's it. There's no emotion. There's no relatable content. That Like, in this one, there's not. There's just not. It didn't make it relatable at all. Besides, oh, it killed my wife. Yeah, but you're not going to make everyone else suffer for that. Like, right. you're not. Like, you'll put a hole in the Joker and then be like, what the fuck did I just do? I need to apologize. I'm going to go float around for like a la Brandon Roth where I'm just going to disappear for a while and then come back. But I don't think he would do what he did. I think in the comic, it plays a little better because you see the progression, but in this, it was just absolutely forced 100%. <sighs> Ugh. Yeah. I, you know, all in all, all in all, I'm appreciative of the movie in that it allowed me to experience at least a version of the story. You know, so I, I am grateful for that. It's funny. It's one of the rare instances, you know, it, most of these things, it's like I've read the comic book, you know, source material, yeah. right? And then I'm watching the adaptation, you know, this was an instance where, I, you know, I was really relying on the movie. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm glad that it exists. I think it was, um, I think it was a misfire in a lot of ways. You've done a fantastic job of selling me on the comics. At the same time, I don't know. Kind of, I mean, I, I don't, and I don't want to be so dramatic to be like, this movie just turned me off to injustice so much, but it's like. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, did it do that? Kind of. Because I felt like of. it would have. Yeah. I mean, to yeah. be honest, it, you know what? I had, I was really a lot of fun hearing you describe a lot of it. And I feel like yeah. I experienced it through you. I mean, yeah. it's like, you know what? Here's the thing with unlimited time. It's like, yeah, sure. I would go through the comics, but it's like, I have so much stuff that I want to cover on this show and stuff yeah. that I want to read and right. watch that like, maybe if I had loved this movie. And I think that's, I think if I had loved this movie, I probably would be announcing an episode on the Injustice comics, right? right? Or I would say, I'm going to go buy a gaming system and I'm going <laughs> to 
how to play the game. Yeah. And this, it really did not do that for me. Like, I feel like I, I get the idea of what it is, and I understand that there's a lot, there's a lot more story and a lot more nuance. And the comic sounds really, really cool. Uh, I think I'm good. Like, I think I'm good with Injustice. If you for now, if you can, I will say this: Don't read all five, six years. Get yourself year one. You ain't got to read it all in one sitting. But do do the the source material the just that is that it deserves and read year one. I think it's like seven issues or whatever. And it's quick read. Like I had it on the, I had my copy, um, but I had the digital reader just because like I wanted to take snapshots of certain stuff that like I wanted to remember to bring up to you. Read year one. Right. Um, it won't completely remove the bad taste in your mouth because this one exists now. And it's one of those things that's not going to go back in Pandora's box. Like this piece of shit is out there. Um, read year one and you'll, and you'll get, actually, if you read year one, knowing you and knowing your shows and knowing your guests and knowing you'll do an episode, if maybe not a standalone one, a Patreon one for year one, in which you could be like, now you're really dislike the movie. Like you will really dislike the movie because the, the showing of Clark and what Superman has to go through is so deep in the book that someone like you who 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 is the biggest Superman fan in terms of breaking him down, the morality, the whole thing, the death, the life, the journey, you should do yourself a favor and read year one. Because once you start, you're going to be like, fuck. Like, I can't believe that they did what they did to this story, knowing what it could have been. So I do still recommend that you read your one. Like, I know you just said I'm good. I... I'm going to say do it, dude, because I'll send it to you. I don't give a shit. I know your address. I'll just send it to it's, you and be like, now you have to read no, it. No, it is on the app. It, as much as I complain about stuff not being, yep. it is all on the app. So, uh, no, I, I take your recommendation to heart. I you know, I don't know that I would do it tomorrow, but it's something I think I would circle back to. At some to, point. You yep. know? Yep. At some point, do it just to um, cleanse your palate. Because yeah. at this point, it's it's like we ate like we like like three month old salmon that's been sitting in the sun like that's really what it feels like to me like they didn't do this justice and at some point it's like we said at some point the writer sat around and goes what about Deathwing?" and they were like that's a great fucking idea like at some point someone said let's bring back a pregnant lois lane They're like oh my god do it like how was that a decision that you looked at and said this is what i want to do did you ever watch the 90s animated spider-man cartoon on fox i'm sure you did yeah 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 so I don't I don't know if you watched it all the way through, but in the in the final run of episodes, they did it was basically years before the Spider Verse movie. They basically did that on the animated series. Introduced and it, yeah. One of the realities was an evil Peter Parker who has merged with Carnage, so it's Spider Carnage. Mm -hmm. And the way that they're ultimately able to get through to this evil version of Peter Parker is by bringing a version of Uncle Ben from another reality mm -hmm. over to sort of you know get get through to him so yep. you know even even there it's like well it's not even anything that we haven't seen before so i don't know it, i will say on, yeah, on you got to be at a point to make that work yeah. and that's what they missed yes if you would have played it out over the course and bought that in at the end that's like i've gone too far i need this one thing to bring me back down he wasn't at rock bottom to see that he oh. wasn't you know what they should have done they should have had a running bit throughout the movie where suit clark starts to think of lois and then quickly stops or starts to look at a photo and turns it away so like he is yes. not allowing himself yeah. to 
to experience her memory. And Absolutely. then he is confronted with it in a very tangible way. And, and that would have been better. Yes. And then that's the breaking. That makes sense. He just forgot all about her. Like, that's why he did it. But, it, it, and he's like, the government. Like, at that point, it's not about Lois's memory at all. It's not about Lois's memory at all. Like, you forgot why you did. Didn't she say something like that? Or didn't someone say something like that in the cartoon at the end where they bring that up where it's like, Lois would want something. I don't know. Like now, I got to. Well, she's. I mean, like lo, the the alt Lois says to him, like you know, for my Clark, every life was sacred. Like, yeah, is, is it yeah. not to That's you? And, yeah. and and again, that that ultimately gets through to him. I, you know, it, it's tough too. I mean, I was easy to say. You know, I would have wanted you know more scenes of him. You know, uh, avoiding the memory of Lois. I would have wanted more scenes mm -hmm. with Pa. I do recognize. You know, they're putting out. For, you know, from a business standpoint, it's like they're putting out an animated movie. There's a certain amount of action, but if you're if you're confined to that runtime, you need a you need a better balance. And you know, there was there were plenty of you know uh, you know dramatic Bat Family scenes, mm -hmm. so there was space for it. I think it just should have been repurposed for Superman. Yeah, like you lift out all of Deadwing, yeah, and you put in stuff like that. Because otherwise, I think what they try to do or what they thought. And I can't speak for execs. Like, again, I know like Mike over there and stuff like that, but he ain't got anything to do with the cartoons and shit. Um, I think they were like, I don't think a Superman movie is going to track hard enough to get an audience. So we got to put in a lot of Batman stuff. Like, that's honestly what I thought they did. Because otherwise, there's no reason to do that. None. Yeah. Again, even the fact that it ends on Batman kissing Selena, it's like that. And, uh -huh. and again, I don't know if it's like, well, that's our circular ending. We started with the happy Lois and Clark and that all fell apart. And now, you know, a new love blossoms in the DCU. I, I, I don't know. But I, that that felt like that just fell flat to me for the ending. Dude, the whole thing was outside of the opening scene where I was like, that's the only part they showed from the trailer, too. And people were fucking losing their minds. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. Like, he's going to be amazing. And they're like, oh, the Red Band trailer, blah, 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 and it's a bloody fucking bad. It wasn't even that. Like, they showed cutscenes of Jimmy getting shot and then Superman going into um, Arkham and, like, punching Clayface to pieces and, like, just, like, and you're like, oh, my God, he's going to be unhinged. Like, he wasn't even, he, he was a puppet. And he's a puppet in the comic, but he's a puppet for a different reason. But, again, like, dude, the whole thing was flat. The whole thing was flat. Yeah. And I hate the fact that we we disliked it so much that like even the the energy is just like, why couldn't it have been better? Like it's like two Eeyores, man. Like that's what I feel like. I do. I do. I feel like you totally took uh Ed Boone is the guy from from Nether Realm or the dude who made the the game. Like I felt like you just took all of that stuff from the people who followed the game and the and the and the book and you're like, well, this isn't for you. Like, that's what I felt like they did. This isn't for you. Like, we're going to draw you in with it, but, and you're going to buy it and you're going to watch it, but this isn't for you. And they didn't tell anybody that up front. And I think that's fucked up. Yeah. I mean, as disappointed as I was, I mean, I can imagine if, if you have that affinity for the game and or the comic and, and then you watch this and, you know, look for anyone out there who enjoyed this, I mean, right on, I'm glad you did. I, I mean, I, I wish I did. Do it and tell us you know? why, <laughs> because if we've talked about anything in the shows that I've been on with you, we are open to everything. Tell me why. Like, just tell me why. Like, maybe you saw something I didn't. Tell me why. But we've covered from end to end pretty much the year one book and this entire cartoon. And outside of, like, Plastic Man's yucks and, like, the quiver joke and stuff like that. Like, it just didn't seem like it had a lot of saving grace unless you're a huge Batman fan. Yeah. 
Or you like Justin Batman Hartley? Fan, like, I thought it was great. Yeah. yeah, I like Justin Hartley as Superman. I'll say that much. I enjoyed his performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, when you have to get down to well, the voices were really good. Like at that point, you're fucking, you're scraping the bottom, dude. You're just scraping the bottom. And I was excited because they showed pieces of it at Fandom. Oh, this is gonna be awesome. And it was just, I don't know, it was a giant letdown. And it's like I said, I think they just catered it to people who they knew were gonna buy it and new people because otherwise it just didn't it didn't do the the source material justice. And I hate saying that because then you sound like a gatekeeper piece of shit or whatever. But I'm just saying like I would be surprised if any of your listeners were like, I liked it and I read all the years and stuff like that. Like I definitely want to hear from those people. Yeah, I would too. And and so please reach out people, uh, you know, and I, uh, again, I know we keep saying this, but it's like we came at it from different perspectives, but still found a lot of the same problems. Like I, I just, I don't even, and that's the thing. It's like, again, from my perspective, it's like I, it's not that it didn't line up with the source material, but it's that structurally, I think there were just a lot of issues and, and the, you know, the pacing was like, you know, this thing was like, like barreling through. There was just like so much that they were just running through. Yep. And we said that that was the problem. The problem is you need to stop. You need to show him more Lois. You need to show some flashbacks. You need to show more of a, a decline into it because then Lois showing up at the end does make sense. Yeah. And he would be like, fuck it, take me away. I don't deserve any of this. But up to the point that he showed up, he's like, fuck all of you. Like, that's not a slow decline. That's literally expecting, like, her to show up and be like, I'm sorry. Like, that's not, that's not, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I stand by it even after talking to you. I figured maybe I find, like, some sort of gleaming hope in it. And I just, I just didn't. (laughs) I just didn't. It does make me want to read the comic again, like, all the years that are out. Because it's so much, like, you know, um, Hal turns into a yellow lantern and Superman goes and, like, pretty much decimates the guardians and shit like that. Like it goes deep. It goes deep, dude. Like a bunch of people show up and they're like, yo, Superman's taking sides. We're going to take sides too. And they bring in like an alternate Joker at one point. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, there's just so much good stuff. And it's like I said, they just kind of forced it down your throat and you're like, well, you asked for it. This is what you got. And I'm like, yeah, but I asked for, you know, chocolate and you fed me shit that looked like chocolate. Like that's pretty much what it was. Now, on a positive note, uh, I want a couple of couple of plugs. And while we're talking about Superman in animation, I recently recorded a guest spot on Superman the Animated Podcast. Uh, I was uh, asked to come on by the host, uh, Nathan, and we talked about the season three episode of Superman the Animated Series, New Kids in Town. It was a lot of fun. Um, I in terms of when we're recording, when we're releasing, I, I don't know exactly. It might be out when you're listening to this or it might be coming, yeah. but check out Superman the Animated Podcast and uh, check out all the episodes and in particular the one that I did on um, New Kids in Town. It was, it was really a lot of fun. And I recently announced on social media I'm going to be covering Superman the Animated Series with returning guest Jeremy Frutkin on this show in a huge way yeah. at the beginning of 2022. We're going to have five weekly episodes I'm calling them the mixtapes because basically we're going to go through virtually the entire series, but we're going to categorize the episodes. So we'll have an episode on on all the the ones that deal with Krypton and the ones that deal with the villains and the supporting cast and the new gods and the DCU team ups. It's I have my Blu-ray ready to go. I'm very excited. So uh, as far as Superman and animation uh, in the podcasting world, there's a lot of cool stuff. Another podcast guest spot. Uh, that as of this recording I'm about to do is uh, an episode of the Always Hold On to Smallville podcast uh, hosted by Zach Moore. So he's been going through the entire series of Smallville episode by episode. It's a... 
it, it, he's he's done such a great job with it. It's an awesome show. And so I'm on the episode talking about the season seven episode Persona, uh, which is one of the Bizarro episodes. Um, so again, I don't know exactly when that's going to drop, but keep an eye out for um, Always Hold On to Smallville. And, you know, we had our official commercials earlier, but I do want to give a shout out to a couple of comic shops who have been uh, very kind to me recently in terms of helping to spread the word about this podcast. Uh, Acme Comics, led by the incomparable Lord Retail in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, you can check out Acme Comics on social media or on their website. They do mail order. Um, I, I, I can't recommend them enough. And ditto for Escape Pod Comics on Long Island in New York, uh, led by Menachem. He does, if you're interested in like comics retail generally on social media, he does these daily uh, like state of the industry updates and they're very oh, wow. interesting. And, you know, at his shop, they really do carry a very eclectic mix of books and he does mail order as well. So check out Escape Pod Comics. And for anyone who's watched my documentary, they're both in there. So if, if you've watched yeah. that, you're familiar with those shops and those guys. Uh, but, and I, again, my, my thanks to those stores for helping to spread the word about digging for kryptonite. That was injustice. Is there anything you want to say before we sign off? Yeah, so two things. The one thing I forgot that I would definitely want to add in, um, Darkseid sends Calabac to to Earth, and he's like, take it over. Fuck it. Who gives a shit about him? And Calabac gets into this moment where he's like, well, because like, Superman beats him up, and he's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, you don't kill people. And then Superman flies around and like kills all the parademons, and like blood rains on everybody. And that, again, is that descent that we were looking for. And Calabac's like, you can't kill me. He's like, I'll fucking do whatever I want to send a message. Um, so again, another reason to read your one and, uh, shout to, uh, not only Doug Mankey, Doug Mankey's fucking shit, dude. Like if you've never seen that dude draw a, he draws ambidextrously at the same time. Whoa. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, dude. It's pretty nuts. Um, he's such a good dude. Um, gym dude or whatever. So of course I talked to him about a little bit of everything. And I've been waiting for this moment. When I was at New York talking to V Ken, V Ken's like, we got to do a show together. Me, you and Anthony. I said, he can pick the topic i don't give a shit but having the three of us on the show would be fucking incredible dude so whatever you want to pick apart he's like dude we got to do one and i i i second that sir all right so whatever we want to do in the future but i think that one would be really great too especially because of the of the three different mindsets and shit like that i think that'd be good but other than that dude it's always it's always such a uh like a charge and a pleasure to be here to talk to you. And like I said, I'm a real bad anxiety driver. The one I'm like Bill Burr. I listen to Pete and Sebastian, stuff like that. But to get me through trips where I can actually talk back to the, cause I told you I do this all the time. Talk back to the radio, dude. I love you, your guest, your show. And when is the Anthony and Steph show coming out? Cause that's the shit that I want to hear. I've been looking for that since I guessed it with you in 2017, dude. I need that show. So you got to keep me updated on that. That's right. Well, I appreciate the kind words. I'm glad that we can keep you company when you're on the road. You know, other, other people have said similar things that they listen while they're doing yeah. other stuff. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's funny. I know I've said this before, but it's like, you know, when I first started podcasting, I guess I had this idea of people sitting with headphones and just listening, you know, but it's, but I actually... You know, and then initially when I heard that people were using it on a commute or on a dog walk or whatever, I was like, okay, that's fine. But I've not only, not only am I okay with that, but I love that idea of us keeping them company. And I love the idea of yeah. if people feel like they're in the room with us, then that's great. And, Always. you know, it's funny. because you create that. Well, I appreciate that. And the, and again, but it's the, it's, it's the guests and it's, it's a great mix, but, uh, it's funny because on Twitter just the other day, as of this recording, uh, comic book writer, Matt Rosenberg, uh, posted a, a poll about like, what's the ideal length 
for you as a podcast listener. And, you know, as you know, like most of our episodes, this is actually a relatively short one. You know, most of our episodes have been two hours plus in a lot of cases. And uh, one of our listeners, shout out to the delightful Rick Reason on uh, on on Twitter. He co- he p- voted in the poll and he and he tweeted and he said that I listened to Digging for Kryptonite. He goes, most of those are in the two hour range, and I still want more when I'm done. That's why so fast? And thank dude. you very much. And that because when I was first finding that these recordings were going long, I was like, oh my god, like the, you know, is that okay to put nope. out an episode that long? It's perfect. <laughs> I'm telling you, three times cardio when cardio season rolls around, you guys because of how long it is i don't think about how long i'm running or doing whatever second long car rides and when i have to dust down here i found it apropos to listen to a comic book podcast and this room takes me days to do so i just keep running through them in three hours is perfect i listen to another one three like i'll in i'll intentionally find in the back catalog stuff that's like two and a half three hours long because as I'm doing this stuff, I'm like, yeah, what about that? Like I'm yelling across the room like a jackass, like you can hear me, dude. So like I said, new people, old people, you got to push this, man, because it is such a good in-depth look at everything. And the guests always, like Scott, Scott with his fucking 52-page homework assignments. It's like the podcast is taken <laughs> seriously enough to to love and enjoy the source material but also caters to just about everybody man like you can start from any one of these episodes and be like i want to read that book now like you always push that and and i think for anybody in the industry in a primary sense or a tertiary sense like you add that to to every show with everybody you bring on so i'm just honored to be here well thank you and i always love having you on and to answer your question so yes my wife and i are going to be doing Steph and Anthony on Lois and Clark. So we're going to be doing this Patreon exclusive. It'll be monthly. So this Patreon exclusive monthly podcast where we we chronicle in podcast form our rewatch of Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. <laughs> I can't I can't wait. I mean, it's I'm excited to I'm rewatch so the show. Excited. I'm excited to rewatch it with her and watch it together for yeah. the first time and talk about it. And uh, so that'll so that'll be on Patreon at the dollar level and up. I hope people will check that out. And you know. I know we're pretty much done with injustice, but the, the very last thing I want to say is that, uh, and it always comes back to Zack Snyder's version of Superman, but you know, what's, and we, I think we had we talked about it or I talked about it when Ken was on, but you know, what Snyder had planned post justice league movie was for dark side to kill Lois mm-hmm. and for a grief stricken Superman to succumb to the anti-life equation. Yeah. And I, I like that. I mean, look, we didn't see the movie play out. So it's like, I, you know, I, I don't know how it would have ultimately yeah. been. But in theory, I like the idea of the grief making him do something that he wouldn't do. Like he succumbs, but it's not that like he just goes evil. No. And I feel like that, that I would have, I would have enjoyed seeing something yep. like and that. And scenes by himself or scenes talking to, to Ma or Pa or scenes with Jorel, you would feel that. He would then go back to ruling with an iron fist, but he would have that back and forth all the time. There's no way he would just go over a deep end and not listen to those three people, especially. Especially listening to Diana over them? No. No. No, there's no way. No way. Well, I'll say this much. I enjoy the conversation more than I enjoy Injustice. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. And that's one of the... That's one of the nice things about doing this podcast. And that's why like, when I popped in the movie, I was looking forward to it, but I was like, you know what? Either way, it's like, we'll get a great episode out of it. So it's, it's fine, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? Yep, yep, pretty much. I thought the same way. You know, so thank you, Justin, very much. Uh, we will have you back on the show uh, 
in 2022, I'm sure. Actually, we'll talk about that off mic, a couple of ideas. Uh, right. so, so we'll have you back. Uh, but thank you very much. Thank you to, to the audience. Always appreciate it. Uh, make sure you tune in for the next episode. And until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. Digging for Kryptonite is a Flat Squirrel production. Art by Greg Shegel, music by Basic Printer. Join the conversation by becoming part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network Facebook group. Follow Digging for Kryptonite on Instagram and Twitter and visit flatsquirrelproductions.com to explore more of my film and podcast projects.